welcome back to another Aeromont podcast, and I'm your host, Nick DeFord. This is exciting because this is going to wrap up our first season of the Aeromont podcast, but it also wraps up our series introducing our 2021-2022 Aeromont artists in residence. So our final podcast of this season will be with Kyle Cottier. Kyle holds a BFA from the Art Academy of Cincinnati and attended the New York Studio Residency Program in Brooklyn. His interdisciplinary practice blends traditional textile and woodworking techniques spanning sculpture, installation, photography, painting, illustration, writing, and performance, which we talk about in our conversation today. Kyle creates works informed by the convergence of the natural and made world, exploring the synthesis of personal and social transformations. Before he came to Aeromont, he was working in New York's Hudson Valley. And our conversation took place only a couple of weeks before he joined the Aeromont community in May of 2021. So we're speaking with Kyle in his apartment in New York, talking about largely the, how the pandemic and lockdown has affected his studio practice. I encourage you to go online and check out Kyle's work at his website. I'll put that link in the show notes before so that you can kind of visualize when we're talking about scale and about the natural and man-made world, exactly how that relates to his artwork. So please help me welcome Kyle Cottier. My creative process, I feel like, has been evolving even month to month, especially during quarantine, during pandemic. Not having a studio all of a sudden um, or having less access to one kind of changed things. And then there was obviously a lot of time for everybody inside. So I was kind of working on these little experiments or like smaller pieces, uh, more smaller than I'm used to anyway. And uh, it, it really varies wherever I'm at and I'm um, hoping to uh, see how it changes down in the Smoky Mountains too. But, but mostly during this past year, just in contrast to how I've been working, it's, it's been a lot slower. I've been taking my time more. Um, which, which has felt like nice in a lot of ways too. Like, uh, trying to remove the the pressure of like meeting deadlines or working to a show. My creative process starts with uh, finding material and working from that. Whether it's going out on the streets and finding a lot of scrap wood or other materials, it's really I find just like whatever speaks to me but mostly it's I, I guess I consider myself a woodworker so that's where my eye is going to first well the work that I've seen of course the work I've seen from you in the past has been fairly large scale has been installation-esque based uh where it sort of t it really sort of takes up a space if you're working smaller how what's that like to work differently what's it like to work smaller and more intimately I, I would be really interested in hearing that because as an embroiderer that's how I always work. <laughs> Thinking right. scaling up is is intimidating. So going from that scale shift, what's that been like? Well, in a way, it's been more intimidating to work smaller. It's uh, it feels like the same amount of work because I'm kind of going into it with the same process, like kind of trying to uh, merge these uh, practices of woodworking and sort of like this traditional textile weaving and finding the balance between those so it's still like if I'm just like scaling down 
pieces that I'm sort of putting different uh, uniform pieces together. It's still the same amount of work, but at the end of it, it's just like this different sort of satisfaction where when I'm done, I've got these pieces that I can put my arms around, whether it's just like I can hold it in my hands with these. Um, so I, I, I want to kind of like keep pushing back and forth between those two because I think it's important to have those variations because the uh, little thin pieces of wood speak to you differently than a larger chunk or you get to, I guess you have the opportunity to address it more intimately as a viewer. Well, yeah, especially from the viewer's point of view, I, you look at people in a museum and they're always going to stand a museum or a gallery, they're always going to stand far enough from the artwork so that it fits within their, their frame of vision. So if it's big, they're going to stand way back. But if mm -hmm. it's close, they're going to get really up close. And so I can understand that it's always the same amount of work. Scale is an illusion in a lot of ways, because as the artist, you're always going to be giving the finesse to whatever that scale of vision is going to be. Yeah, exactly. Uh and I think too, like I've always been interested in sort of that push and pull with, with scale also. Like I want, I want work that obviously looks good at, at both distances, but I, I, I guess the, uh, there's like certain feelings that you get from both also. Like once you're sort of up close on an intimate with the, the wood grain, that's a, that's a whole other thing rather than seeing the piece as a whole, you get to see how uh, I think especially with my pieces, how everything kind of comes together, how it's attached, how everything kind of the individual lends itself to the whole. Speaking about scale, it reminds me of, uh, have you ever read a book called The Third Policeman? Oh, I've never even heard of that. Who's that? It, it, it's, it's a book that most people have never heard of. It's by Flann O'Brien, who is a uh, Irish uh, author who's a little bit of a surrealist and I won't go into the complexities of the book because it's a very complex book it's very David Lynch at Twin Peaks-esque uh, but right up my alley. great well you I'll, I'll lend it to you when you when, when you get to Aramont uh, but there's a scene in the book where the main character comes across an, an artisan who wants to show him something he made and he pulls out this meticulously carved wooden box and he talks about how long it's taken him to carve it and all the little uh, uh, details in the box and he, it takes him years to carve this box and then he talks mm -hmm. about the problem of after he carved it he wasn't sure what to put in this this box because it was so perfectly carved so he the the main character was what did you put in it and he opens it and very it's just enough room so that his fingers can fit inside he pulls out a box that's exactly this, a replica of the box, but smaller. And he talks <laughs> about this box, he intricately carved, and he was like, well, I didn't know what to put in that box. And he opens that, and it's a box that's slightly smaller, but exactly a replica. And he keeps doing that infinite. So there's finally a box that you, you can't see. It's microscopic. And then he drops it on the floor. Something that you can pinch. Yeah, it, and it's there's something about that parable of, as an artist, we spend so much time doing this very, especially I would think a woodworker, meticulously paying attention to the surface, meticulously doing sort of a repetitive process, but then to the point where does the viewer see it? Do, does the viewer know mm. how much goes into it? And then 
scale is again infinite. It's both big and really, really small all the way down. And do you think that that shift in scale too, because you mentioned not having access to the studio. So when you're working inside, I'm assuming maybe your apartment during quarantine, what kind of tools do you have around you that you can use or what, what kind of creative tools have you used during the past year that you've never thought you would have used before? I've had these like very thin pieces of wood um, that I had left over from just like ripping wood um, from the days when it was easy to go to the studio back in the day. But I've got these really nice pair of scissors and maybe a lot of people will cringe at this, but I have scissors that I could like cut these thin pieces of wood with. And uh, I've got this burning tool and I was able to burn holes into these thin pieces of wood and take this thread that I've had and kind of weave all these together or I was able to, in a different piece that I was kind of experimenting with, folding paper thick enough to where I could get the same sort of density effect as wood and still like burn holes into those. And it was just nice to watch, uh, to see like which things happen differently rather than like just being able to drill a hole in something really easily um and that would cause like making mess in my apartment or whatever but it it was it was like being forced to to keep create or wanting to keep creating my work but being forced to do it without all my tools it's kind of nice to find a way to problem solve and brainstorm ways to to get to that just like using household objects and whatever to make it work that was actually the very first podcast we did in this series was uh, I, I interviewed Julia Gartrell, who's a former resident, and that's exactly what we spend most of the podcast talking about, just because that was really during the um, really beginning of the quarantine when everybody was on lockdown and you couldn't leave your house to go even to the store because the store wasn't open because they were locked down too had so much resilience and so much creativity that you had to do to find within your house to, to, to problem solve um, art problems, but also just house problems, right? Uh, problems and other things that normally would be solved by calling somebody over to your house that you couldn't do. It even, it's, I think too, like still difficult as a painter because you're, you have to, you, you, I mean, as an artist, I feel like entering a different, like physical space helps you get into your sort of work mode too. But uh, I think maybe especially so for a woodworker, a ceramicist or anybody else who uh, has to figure out how to condense their their shop into a a box and bring it home. Well, in your work also, uh, when I look at your work, it feels very informed, at least conceptually, if not materiality, well, material too, but conceptually it feels informed by nature and the outdoors and the natural world and some a lot of these issues. I'm assuming that maybe your access to the natural world the past year has been interrupted as well. Where do you feel like that your work is conceptually right now after the pandemic or even, I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but after we seem to be coming out of it, how do you feel about your relationship to the natural world and where that lies in your work? I think there was a lot of really like a, a push and pull with that also because there was I mean I, I I believe that everybody experienced some like sort of depression whether soft or hard during all this time so it's there was always like the ability to go outside really but some days it was really difficult uh, to to bring yourself outside of all the 
the small things and the stressors that kind of fill up your day. But um, I did uh, in this past year uh, put myself outdoors, whether it was on a trail or going to meet friends for a bonfire or whatever and doing the best we could to be safe with everything. So I, it's conceptually where I feel like I'm at with it. Uh, I, I've just absorbed a whole, a whole lot of time outside and where I like sort of anticipated that I'd be making a ton of work because I'm unemployed or a lot of time to myself, I found that I was like more eager to just put myself outside, whether it was to cheer me up or just take advantage of the day or whatever it was. So it's, um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm ready to have this time at Aramont to sort of like unleash all these sort of uh, sponge days I've had of absorbing everything. And uh, yeah, looking, looking forward to it. Let's follow that thread. You're about to you're about to come to Aramon here in a few weeks. I'm sure you've been thinking about once you have that studio space, what project you want to start on. What are some ideas that you've had brewing uh, over this time, or what in, in sort of a ideal situation, or some things that you think you want to concentrate on and work on in your creative explorations? Recently, um, like I want to continue to push this sort of uh, convergence of how I sort of feel I interpret the man-made world versus the natural world or where these things sort of uh, collide and function together and where sort of desire meets function in a way. So I've, I'm eager to kind of keep working with that and uh, create this, these like fluid pieces. And uh, recently I've been working with a friend uh, who's a dancer and we did a, a piece recently on the beach in New Jersey and kind of working on a, a video for that. But I, I, I'm kind of interested in how the human body comes in to play with some of these works and that I experience them fluidly as I'm creating them, like creating these organic pieces. I'm really interested in seeing how others interpret that. Yeah, I think that's something that I I don't I mean I haven't had an art show since the begin the pandemic began or if I did I sent work away and I never saw the art show and I have not <laughs> been to an art show uh, since I think the pandemic began and so for me what you said really resonates because I've been interacting with my art over the last year but my art has not been interacting with anybody else. <laughs> My art is is like my cat. My is probably really sick and tired of me, and it's ready to get out of the house. Um, so, talk about that aspect of the residency too, because you've you've met your other fellow residents, and you're about to embark on a creative journey, not only you know for yourself but with them. What's it going to be like to be having conversations about art and their art and your art and making together? I'm, I'm very excited for it. I've been living alone for the past couple of years. It's going to be pretty amazing to have roommates again. We've already, a few of us been talking about making some uh, big dinner nights for everybody there at the, uh, the resident house. Um, uh, I, I'm really just looking forward to it. I'm trying not to put too much expectation on it, but it, it seems like a really good, uh, crew and, uh, 
I'm loving everybody's work right now. So excited to see like what happens when we all have those uh, late nights in the studio or whatever, bounce ideas off each other, just like the sort of like uh, surprising things that can happen when you're just being creative in the general vicinity of others who are also being creative. Big thank you to Kyle and all the rest of the artists in residence for having these conversations with me to wrap up this first season of the Aeromom podcast. You know, our artists in residence are going to be with us all the way until May of 2022. So we hope you get a chance to meet them over the next couple of months in person, but definitely keep track of the Aeromom website and blog for more information about what they're up to and the work that they're making. Now, Kyle and I talk about a lot of things. I want to draw attention, though, to that very unusual book that I mentioned, The Third Policeman by Flann O'Brien. Uh, I do recommend it. It's an interesting read, I think, for any artist out there. In fact, one of the earliest times that I had heard reference to the book was from another artist, uh, David Wilson, the creator of the Museum of Jurassic Technology in Los Angeles, which is, by the way, one of my favorite museums slash art installations slash places to go read a bit of that novel uh, to an audience when he was presenting his work. And I think it was even the same uh, part that I talk about, about the infinite carved wooden box. So please check that out and check out Kyle's work. And we'll be back with more Aeromom podcasts in the future. So stay tuned for our second season coming out later. Until then, stay safe and stay in touch. And stay tuned to the Aeromont Podcast.
Thank you.